0: And we are in the middle of this series, uh, and in John, and we've been looking at the, the the life of Jesus and the life that that he calls us to, as his followers. And um, the essence of Christianity is a, a relationship, a personal relationship with God the Father. That the essence of Christianity is a personal relationship with uh, with. With God the Father, to know God as Father. And everything else is secondary. Everything else flows out of that one truth, that one staple, that one foundation that the essence of Christianity is personally knowing God. Now, I know the church over the years, and I'm talking, you know, the church universal has debated about other things. And, and I know that we all have met people who say that they're Christians but they haven't really given us the, the the best representation of what a Christian should be like and I also know that uh, some of us we you know we all have our our needs and our desires and our wants and our disappointments and our um, uh, in, our, in our hurts and our pains, and that kind of factors into what we bring into our relationship uh, with God. But the real problem that, that the heart of the issue when it comes to all the problems in our lives is that we don't really know the Father personally enough. And, and so the essence of Christianity is personally knowing the Father. And that's what John 14 is all about. And John 14 has three very important principles that I want to give, us, you know, give it to us up front. And then we'll unpack them as we go along. But three, three things, three truths, three principles that we see this morning as we begin to look at John chapter 14 is that we see the centrality of knowing God the Father. Uh, we see the problem with knowing God the Father. And then we see the glory or the reward of knowing God. God the Father. So uh, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 14. If you didn't bring your Bibles, we're going to put it up on the screen for you. Uh, Or you can uh, look it up on your phone. I hope you'll grab something to take some notes on. um, Because I'm really excited about what God has to say to us about the invitation that he's put on the table for us to personally know him. So John chapter 14, we were in John chapter 13 the last few weeks. And it's the Last Supper um, that we've been that we've been looking at that Jesus has with the disciples and we saw Jesus he has one more teaching opportunity uh, and he and he uh, he ends up washing the disciples feet and and he says you know a new command I give you I want you to go out and I want you to love others the way I've loved you uh, last week we saw how Jesus uh, responds to the betrayers at the table at his table and he does uh, he doesn't cast them away. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't humiliate them. But he tries to melt their hearts with, with his love as we talked about Judas. And today we're going to talk about the personally knowing God as we begin John chapter 14. So let's just read John chapter 14. Let me read uh, verses 1 through 12. And then uh, and we'll unpack these three statements. So Jesus says, and you may, you, these words may sound familiar, especially if you've been to a funeral that uh, pastors will use this, this passage to bring comfort to the loved ones, um, to, uh, to share that, hey, for those who put their faith in Christ, that they're no longer suffering, but they are with Jesus. And we know that because John 14 tells us that. Verse 1, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God and will believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, and if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also, that you may be where I am, and you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you You do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for so long, for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So, what, is it, what do we mean by the centrality of uh, knowing the Father? Well, Jesus says to Philip, he says, have I, not, have, have I not been with you so long that you still don't know me? In other words, this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that um, to Philip, and he's saying to us, it's possible for us to be near Jesus. It's, it's possible for us to be standing right next to him, listening to everything. You know, Jesus is saying, listen to everything that I've said, doing all the activities that I've had you do, and still miss the point. And see, when we step back and we look at Philip, we have to remember Philip's an insider. Philip's one of the 12. He's been one of the, uh, he's been with Jesus, following Jesus, listening to Jesus, doing everything that Jesus had told him to do. But yet he still doesn't really know in his heart of hearts who Jesus is. And here's what Jesus is doing he's making the distinction between just knowing about God and personally knowing God. That we can know all. About God. I mean, we we can know the songs, we can know the lingo, the persona. We we can we can look like on the outside that we have it all together and we know we know all the things there is to know about God. But on the inside, we can be falling apart because we really don't know God personally. You see, it's the difference between information and experience. It's the difference between information and experience. Informational knowledge is, and you know this is. Uh, you know where are you from what do you do where do you live all things that we can find out from a simple google search right we don't have to know the person personally to find some out some basic information about some somebody but when two people come together and they start to get past the you know where are you from where do you live and what do you do once you get past all that and they start being transparent with one another and they start disclosing things to one another and they start talking about the issues that impact their lives a personal relationship is formed now watch listen don't miss this we can have informational knowledge without personal knowledge, but we can't have personal knowledge without informational knowledge. Let me say that again. We can have informational knowledge without personal knowledge, but we can't have personal knowledge without informational knowledge. In other words, when you meet somebody for the first time, okay, you 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 know you give them a handshake. You introduce yourself, and then maybe you ask some informational questions that 's where you start you don 't start with "Oh, let me unpack all my baggage from the last twenty years right hopefully you don 't start there okay otherwise you 're not probably seeing that person again okay um, but but we can have we can have. Um, informational knowledge without personal knowledge, but we can't have personal knowledge without informational knowledge. If we never get past, hello, my name is, and this is where I'm from, and this is what I do, and this is where I live, we can't get to the personal disclosure, transparency issues. But the same is true when it comes to our relationship with God. And this is why Bible study is so important. It's important that, that we get informational knowledge about who God is and what he's done for us. And the number one way to do that is through the word. It's That's why corporate worship is important. That it's important to come together with our brothers and sisters and hear these songs being sung about who God is and what he's done. We just sang about it, what he's done. Uh, That's why community is so important to find a few gospel-centered friends that we can ask questions and they can ask their questions you see, unfortunately, it's possible that we can know all about the Bible but never really know God. But we can't really know God personally unless we know some things about the Bible. That's why being, having consistent moments in the scripture is so, so important. And the essence of Christianity is to, is to personally know God. And that is our goal. And our goal this morning as a church is that people in all environments, that, that, that preschoolers and, and kids and 5th and 6th graders and teenagers and adults would all come away with the essence that Christianity is not about what I can do for God, but it's about what God has done for me. And the essence of that is a relationship, it's a personal relationship with the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. So that's the centrality of everything that we do and everything that we are. But then we have this problem. We have this problem of knowing the Father. Basically, really, there's two problems. Problem number one is this, is that we have to make a personal decision about who Jesus is. We have to make a decision. All of us have to make a decision personally about who Jesus is. And until we make that decision, the New Testament really doesn't have anything to say to us. It doesn't really have anything for us. I mean, it has some nice antidotes, maybe some tips on, you know, how to live and how to treat others. But it doesn't have anything to say to our hearts and our souls and our minds until we decide personally who Jesus is. But see, the problem is we want to start with our questions when it comes to Christianity. We want to start with the, yeah, but, you know, why did God let this happen? You know, why, why did God, you know, not intervene here? Or, or, or why did God allow this suffering or this trial or her to get sick? Or, you know, or what do I have to do in order to, what do I have to change? What do I have to start doing in order to become a Christian? Now, if Christianity was just a philosophy, and it is a philosophy, but if it was just a philosophy, then we really could start with our questions. Of why. If Christianity was just a creed to live by, okay, just tips for personal living and living our best life and washing our face and all that kind of thing, if it was just a creed to live by, well, then we could start to modify our behavior. If Christianity was just a religion, then we could just start going to church and busying our schedules with religious activities, but Christianity is so much more than that. Since Christianity is about our relationship with the one true God, the Father, through faith in Jesus Christ and who Jesus is and what he's done for us in his life and through his death and through his resurrection, then we must start with Jesus. We have to start with Jesus. Now, so let me just ask you who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? Do we know him personally? And so we have to answer that question first. That, that's the first problem. The second problem, or maybe before I get to the second problem, let, let, me, let me just stop. I, I know there's some hang-ups here, okay? And I get it. You know, we all have been disappointed in God. I'm not even going to make you raise your hand, because that would be scary to raise your hand in church and say, I've been disappointed with God, you know? That would make us a little nervous. But we've all had our disappointments. You know, we, we, we all have our hangups. We all have our questions. We all have our doubts. And, and maybe you're here today, and, and you do have some doubts about God because of some things that have gone down in your life. And if that's you, I am so glad you're here today. But i got to ask you, what are you going to do with those doubts? Um, there's a guy in the, in, in the Bible in the New Testament. His name is John the Baptist. It's not John who's writing this. It's John the Baptist. And they didn't call him John the Baptist because he didn't drink and dance. He, um, <laughs> they called him John the Baptist because that's what he did. He baptized people. He, he, he spent his entire adult life calling people into repentance to personally know the Father. And once Jesus showed up on the scene, he spent the rest of his adult life pointing people to Jesus as the Savior. And through some events, he gets arrested. And he's thrown in prison. And doubt starts to creep in. So if you've ever had your doubts about God, you're in pretty good company. But what does John do about his doubts? He just doesn't, you know, balk on God and say, well, forget that. I don't understand everything that's going on. So, you know, I'm not going to believe anymore. What does he do? He sends a messenger personally to Jesus. And he asks the question, are you really the one? I've been so sure of it and so confident about it. In fact, I've been so sure. I've invited everybody that I know. i pointed everybody I know to you, Jesus. But when, when it hits the fan and things are going down in my life and it looks like this is going to be the end, are you really the one? And so what do we do with our doubts? What do we do when we have our doubts if Jesus really is the one. Well, let, let, let me just give you a few things you can do. I hope you'll jot them down or at least remember them. Number 1, if you, when you're dealing with doubts, read the gospel rapidly. Read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, read them rapidly. Listen to them on 1.5 speed, okay, on your way to work. Listen to them or read them rapidly. And the reason why is you'll begin to get a, a context for the, big, for the whole story. You'll begin to realize who the players are, who the characters are, who the people are. And so begin just reading the Gospels. You're not reading it for, uh, to grab onto things just yet, but you're reading it rapidly to understand what is going on, who Jesus is, and why he has been sent by God to earth okay so so read number one rapidly number two is talk to him and and this is just prayer it's just it's just prayer and i know you know most of us pray to god but but when i say pray to god i'm talking about praying the prayer god will you show me who you are show me jesus who you are that's a prayer that fires jesus up now I know we pray, you know, God, thank you for this food. Use it to strengthen our bodies and our bodies to thy service. You know, okay, I get it. You know, Jesus' is like, you don't need to be praying that over that donut, you know. <laughs> or maybe you do. You know, I know we say our bed- bedtime prayers, so now lay me down to sleep and pray the Lord. But a prayer that will fire up the heavens is Jesus, show me who you are. Right. Third. Is be in community. Find a small group of people that you can read the Gospels, that you can go through a study, that you can ask your questions and they can ask you questions, that you're coming together on a regular basis and saying, ooh, I read John chapter 14. I really liked it, but ooh, verse six, that was really hard for me. What'd you think about verse six? I know some of you are looking at verse six right now. We'll get to verse six, but it's a hard one. And then last, re- watch The Chosen. Watch The Chosen. Um, it, it's, it's amazing. Season three drops in November. You've got three months, okay, to binge watch seasons one and two. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. So that's what we need to do. When we have our doubts, we go to Jesus directly. That's problem number one. What do we, you know, who is Jesus? Problem number two is the absolute and exclusive, pers- exclusive personal claims of Jesus. The absolute and exclusive personal claims that Jesus makes. And people hate these. Look at verse 6. And Jesus answered. Thomas says, you know, you know Lord, how do we know where you're going? How, how do we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one. Let's say those two words together. No one. Let's say it again. No one comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't get more personal than that. It doesn't get more personal than that. And see, when we get into a personal relationship, okay, there's always a loss of control. Always. When we enter into a personal relationship, there's a loss of control. Guys, when was the last time you got to pick where you ate for dinner? Okay, see? Loss of control. All right? Parents. When was the last time you got to go wherever you wanted to go, whenever you wanted to go, and spend as much money as you wanted to? Okay, we don't. We have kids at home. Okay, we can't do it. There's always a sense of a loss of control when a personal relationship enters into our lives. And here Jesus says something very personal. He says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Jesus says, "I am the way." Now. And let's be honest; that kind of bugs us. We want to shift into philosophy mode and start to ask our questions. And we would say, God, you know, what about good people? Are you saying good people who do good things can't go to heaven if they don't put their faith in you? What, what about Buddhists? What, you know, what, what about what about really religious people, really good people who do a lot of good things for their community? Jesus, are you really saying that you are the only way to get to heaven? And the answer is yes. That is exactly what Jesus is saying. That no one gets to come to the Father except through faith in who Jesus is and what he has done as our personal Savior. So yeah, he is the way, but he's also the truth. In in other words, the truth of Jesus, okay, outweighs how we feel. The truth of Jesus outweighs popular opinion that the truth of Jesus outweighs our personal opinion and that doesn't happen overnight but as we grow in our faith in Jesus his truth begins to outweigh our opinions and our feelings and our sense of control So he's the he is the way, he's the truth, and Jesus says he is the life. In other words, is he the reason why we live? Because it's only through him that we live. I know that sounds so absolute. And and, and personally, I wish it wasn't that way. But it is. But it's personal. And there's no in between. And so we have to decide who Jesus is. And then there's the glory of knowing the Father. Verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that we may, and that will be enough for us. Philip literally says in the Greek language, he says, give us a vision or miracle and that will be enough. But Jesus knows that thousands of people have seen the miracles and they still don't believe. And so Jesus says in verse 9, he says, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me, underline that, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, Jesus is not saying, if you've seen me with your eyes, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me with your retinas, you've seen the Father. This word that Jesus uses for see in the Greek means to understand. It means to understand. And so to see and to understand means to experience it personally to the point that it impacts our lives. And to know God means that we move from information to experience. To know the Father means we move from just knowing about God because we've been around the church thing for a while to actually knowing God personally. And that impacts every arena of our lives. It impacts the way we think. It impacts the way that we treat others, the way we treat others at, at, at the office, the way we treat others uh, at school, the way we treat others in our home. It, it, you know, knowing the Father uh, it changes the way that, um, that we approach our work. It changes the way that we approach our schoolwork. It changes the way that we date. It changes our attitude about sex. It changes our attitude about money. And there are going to be times that as we grow in our personal relationship with the Father through faith in Jesus Christ, that sometimes His truth is going to outweigh our feelings and we're going to have to make a decision. And we're going to have to say, well, because I want to follow Christ and He is the way, the truth, and the life, I can't date you anymore. Or, or we have to stop having sex because we're not married. Because Jesus' truth is more important than my feelings. Or we have to make some, some some changes to our to our budget so that we can give according to the New Testament, which is sacrificially and generously and cheerfully. And right now I'm begrudging giving anything, and so we got to do something about it. I got to change the way I close my deals because I haven't been doing full disclosure and I've been cheating my clients. And God, when our relationship with God grows, it changes us, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. That we will grow to become more patient and kind and generous and gentle and loving and self controlled. And that's the glory. That's the reward. That's the benefit of knowing the father personally. And every single one of us are personally invited to know God through faith in Jesus Christ. That he came and he lived the life we can't live and he died the death that we deserve. And that we can have forgiveness of sin, eternal life and a personal, intimate relationship with the Father.